Good morning. We're glad to be with you again today. We're thankful the Lord has given us this day and this opportunity to open His Word, to share it with you and for all of those that the message has been shared with. And we do trust that if you're watching, that you would share the message with someone that uh, you feel like could be blessed by it, could be helped, because that is what the Word of God is for. It is to help us all grow closer in our relationship to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. First, let's go to the Lord in prayer. There's plenty of prayer requests out there today. Um, I know many people uh, who are suffering and struggling with loss of life because of COVID. Uh, They've lost loved ones and, and friends and co-workers. A co-worker of mine has been called home to, to glory uh, through COVID, and we're all heartbroken at this. Uh, but at the same time, we understand that it is God's will for whatever that may bring in peace and comfort. Uh, there are still people who are struggling with cancers and uh, all kinds of health problems. Our nation is still reeling. It is still struggling. Uh, we're still dealing with broken promises from Washington. Um, we're still dealing with half-truths. We're still dealing with all the problems that we had before. They're just spoken differently. Friends, we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for one another. Our nation is in the condition it's in today because of you and I. Because we have left this. You and I have left the Word of God. Maybe not everyone individually, but collectively as a whole, we have left the Word of God. And because we have left the Word of God, we are not asking that our leaders follow the Word of God. We're asking them to give us what we want, not what we need. We're asking them to do what they feel and what they determine is right in their own eyes, not what they believe is and what they understand is right in the eyes of God. Our nation needs a revival. We need a great awakening to run and move across this land. The only way that happens is for the saints of God to get right with God and to bring the power of God down across this earth. Saints, it's up to us to make this move. It's up to us to lead this revival. Will you join me? There's plenty of prayer requests, plenty of needs out there. Share them if you feel like you're led to. Give only the amount of detail you feel necessary. But let's pray one for another. For God to have his way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and Lord God, thank you for the privilege of joining you, these people and uh, men and women and boys and girls. And Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing the opening of your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for everything that you've done in our lives, for all the blessings that you've given, for grace and mercy especially, Lord, because we don't deserve grace and mercy. We deserve your judgment and your wrath. Lord, I'm glad that you're withholding that right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of the requests that are being made, all of the burdens that are being shared, all of the difficulties that are being faced. Lord, I know that you'll meet those needs in your time and in your will and in your power. Until that time, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint your word today. I pray that it would accomplish everything that you have purposed it to do. Heavenly Father, we'll be careful to praise, honor, and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning we're back in Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. The last few weeks have been kind of touch and go because of several issues and circumstances beyond our control. But we're thankful we're back with you and we can carry on with the uh, preaching and teaching of God's Word. Beginning with verse 26 of chapter 4. And he said, speaking of Jesus, So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground, 
and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first in the blade, then in the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But then the fruit is brought forth. Immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. This is a parable, a continuing parable, uh, that actually sprung up from the beginning of chapter 4. If you were with us then, uh, Jesus gave the parable of the sower, and from that he expanded to the parable of the candle, and now he is uh, in the parable of unconscious growth. The parable of unconscious growth. And from that today, I want us to look and think about the gospel seed. First, I want to be very honest with you. The spread or the spreading or the sharing of the gospel can be a discouraging thing. Often it feels as if the efforts that we use, that we do, are ineffective and, and fruitless. And, and, and pastors and preachers and missionaries and evangelists out there that may watch this from time to time, you understand what I'm talking about. Some of the laymen out there who have a desire and a burden and they take the Great Commission and they apply it personally and they, they experience the pushback, you understand what I'm talking about. The rest of you who may never, may never have taken the opportunity and the privilege to to share the Word of God, to share the Gospel, to take the Great Commission seriously. Before the end of this message, you will understand how important it really is. Preachers who preach the Word of God frequently, they see little or no response from either saint or sinner. And the message of eternal life, it is shared with those who are dead in sin. And they reject it outright. And the light of salvation is given to those in darkness. And they prefer darkness over light. You labor in the word for hours. You seek the message of God for his people. And then when the message is preached, no one seems to care. The glories of Christ and of the Bible are preached to those who profess to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. And they sit there and they look at the preacher as if he's sharing the most boring news imaginable. Honestly, this can be discouraging. Some of you are actively sharing your faith with your friends and family and co-workers. When you do, you're ignored, you're ridiculed. Sometimes you may even be attacked. The people you love and desire to see saved seems as though they could care less about what you have to say concerning the condition of their souls. That too can be discouraging. Today's passage, another parable, offers some hope. Hope to those who take the time to share the gospel with others. Now this parable, it will teach us that the gospel seed has power. It teaches us that while we might, may not see immediate results from our efforts, the gospel will bear fruit in the Lord's time. And I think that's something that we struggle with. Even the saints of God struggle with being submissive to the Lord's time. We, we live in a point-and-click society. We're used to getting on the Internet, looking through Amazon or eBay or suppliers from here, there, or otherwise, and we're used to putting a list together 
clicking order, putting in a credit card, debit card, PayPal, whatever it is you may use number. And in a matter of a day or two, it's sitting at your feet. We have spoiled ourselves with technology. And in our prayer life and in our work of spreading the gospel, we have adopted the idea that God operates on our point-and-click society, on our point-and-click timeline. Well, he doesn't. It is time for us to realize God's timeline is literally not our timeline. When we're asking God, he is going to respond when he chooses, as he chooses, and upon whom he chooses. Without concern of your feelings, your emotions, your desires, or your expectations. When your expectations line up with God's expectations as written in our word, then your patience, your understanding, and your wisdom will increase. But until we see things as God sees things, and until we understand to sit down and wait on God and wait on Him in His timeline for His things, and all things are God's things, if the pandemic hasn't taught you anything, I hope it has taught you that God is in control. Not a political party. Not science. Science is good. Science is great. Science, however, is at the mercy and the discretion of God because it is God who holds himself as creator of all knowledge and wisdom. And until God reaches down from his throne and touches the minds and the bodies of the people affected by and working toward a cure for this virus, nothing is going to happen. Well, God just isn't that, isn't that cruel. God is God, regardless of how we want to frame him. Framing God as cruel is not going to speed him up. Understanding that God is omnipotent, God is omnipresent, and God is all-knowing. He is sovereign. Understanding that places us in a perspective of everything in life and one that makes sense. And if you haven't found it, it's because... You don't believe. You do not believe what the Bible says as the Bible says it. You believe God somehow is at our disposal to listen to what we expect and grant our needs and our wishes. That was never our purpose. God created us to worship him and to serve him. Not vice versa. Well, when we think about bearing fruit in the Lord's time, we have to get our mind, our heart, and our perspective right in accordance with the way God does things. When the gospel is shared, whether it is from a pulpit or from a personal witness, there is a great unseen process that begins to take place. This process is a sovereign work of God. Process is often hidden from the attention of man, though. Yet, this process results in changed lives and saved souls. Changed lives and saved souls. In the end of things, Understanding that all life has an end.
my life, your life, has an end. This planet that God created has an end. Our soul has no end. Our soul is immortal. Our soul will live eternally in heaven or in hell. And a great deal of that depends upon how we respond to how God addresses us. So I want you to join me as I take some time today to share some of the processes that are involved in the business of sharing the gospel. I want you to join me as we look at three very important aspects of this passage. First, I want you to understand in verse 26 and 27, to grow the gospel seed, there is a steadfast work. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up? He knoweth not how. Jesus gives us a picture of the farmer or a man sowing seed in the field. When he has sown that seed, he has done all he can do. He returns home, he goes home, and he goes about his business. And the image of him sleeping and rising night and day is a picture of the farmer living his life. He places the seed in the soil and he leaves it to do the work that God designed it to do. The farmer, for him, this is a work of faith. He does not return to the field every day and dig the seed up and see how far it's progressed and then put it back in the ground and cover it back up again. He may go and he may water it he may remove the weeds. He may keep the soil worked up loosely around it. But he does not bother that seed. After it's been planted, the farmer has no control over what that seed does. He sows the seed and he leaves the results in the hands of God. Let that sink in. Many of you watching, you, you it's becoming springtime, it's getting closer, and you're going to be planting and gardening, even if it's a flower, or if it's a vegetable, whatever it may be. It may be a hundred acres. It may be a hundred square feet. Who knows? It doesn't matter. You're going to be planting seeds into the ground, and when you put them in the ground, you're going to leave them, and by faith, you're going to trust that they're going to sprout and come up. So let me ask you a question. Those of you who have done that for a while, how often have you planted seed and they disappointed you and didn't sprout and come up? It may have been very seldom, but it has happened. Right? You had no control. None over what that seed done. All you could do was plant it and nurture it and care for it and leave it by faith in the hands of God. Get that picture firmly planted in your head today. Because it is a picture of where this message is going. The farmer done his task. He sowed the seed. When he done that, he fulfilled his duty. The saints of God are like that farmer when it comes to the gospel. We've been called to sow the seed of the gospel. 
I'm not talking about sowing corn in a plowed field right now, but rather I'm talking about we've been called to sow the gospel into the hearts of men and women who do not know, do not understand, and have not experienced the conviction of Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sin. That's what you and I are called to do today. It is called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 talk about it. Mark 16, verse 15 talks about it. Acts 1, 8 talks about it. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 18 talk about it. And many more times throughout the New Testament it is mentioned. But it is our calling. If you are saved, genuinely saved, you are called into the Great Commission. I'm not talking about are you a member of the church or of a denomination. I'm not asking you if you believe this theology or that theology. I'm asking you, can you look back at a point in time in your life where you called on Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and you know you had that feeling of it being lifted, that burden of sin being lifted off of your soul and your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Do you know that beyond all conviction today? Do you know that beyond everything? If so, you are a saint of God and this, this is your guidebook in life. It says what it means, and it means what it says. It does not stutter. It does not compromise. What it does is it convicts us on a daily basis to live our lives according to the way Jesus Christ has saved us to do, and he has walked us through. Folks, we're like that farmer. But sadly, too many of us today we're not sowing any seeds. We've convinced ourselves that we can pass our duty off to somebody else. Well, that's what I pay the preacher for. That's what we support missionaries for. That's why we bring an evangelist in every once in a while for a revival. I support that. I give my money to those things. So guess what? I'm supporting the Great Commission. You may be supporting the Great Commission, but you're not doing the Great Commission. You're not doing the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a personal calling to every saint of God. It is not a call to support somebody else's. Though we should help one another, we should support one another. We should encourage one another. We all should be getting our hands dirty in the field of life planting the gospel seeds. If you are being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ today, keep it up. Keep sharing that story with others. He's going to honor those efforts. If, you, if you're not, you should be. Now, I encourage you to make a personal commitment today. Get busy doing what the Lord has saved you to do. It'll make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. Well, second, to grow the gospel, we have to realize that there is a private and secret work that's taking place. As the farmer goes about his business, amazing things happen in that field. The earth that appears to be dead suddenly begins to show signs of life. One day there's nothing in the field but dirt. And the next day there are those little sprouts of green that are popping up. And as the days pass, those blades appear. The ears are formed on those stalks and eventually in that ear is corn, rows of corn. Now, all of it doesn't happen overnight. And in the context of this passage, the farmer was unsure and ignorant of how it all happened. 
He just knew that it did. And even today, in the science that we have, we still have many unknowns about growing and seeds and crops. You see, it's a mystery. All he did was sow some seed in the earth. And then he prepared it. And he, see, he, he, he nurtured it. He kept it weeded. He cared for it. And in the end, he harvested it. He couldn't see or understand the process. All he knows is that he's about to benefit from this unknown, mysterious, secret work. Modern science made some amazing discoveries in our lifetime, hasn't it? Scientists can even take a seed apart. They can analyze its structure and its composition. They can create a seed that is an absolute duplicate of the one that's produced in nature. They can alter the DNA of seeds. Their seeds that they create in a laboratory, they have the same shape, the same chemical composition. And if you place the seed that's made by a laboratory, made in a laboratory, beside of seed produced in the nature or in the wild, you couldn't tell them apart. They look identical. But when they're planted, when they are planted, the difference becomes clear. Both seeds can be planted in the same soil. They can receive the same amount of sunshine. They can receive the same amount of water. The seed produced in nature is going to germinate and it's going to grow and it's going to produce fruit. The seed produced in a laboratory will not. Why? Yes, science has learned how to make a seed, but they have yet to learn how to produce life. They cannot produce life. We have learned today how to take life. We've learned today how to conduct abortion. We've learned today how to create, how to do euthanasia. We have practice after practice after practice of how to take life. Through war, through hatred, through violence. Through all kinds of manners, we have learned and know well how to take life, how to shed blood, innocent blood. But we have yet to be able to create it. That is an act of God. An amazing act of God. Creating life, whether it is physical life or spiritual life. Only God can create it. And only God can create it through His Son, Jesus Christ, when we're talking about salvation. No religious leader can take you to heaven. No amount of good that you do can take you to heaven. Good deeds are well placed with the right heart. But good deeds will not take you to heaven. Good intentions will not take you to heaven. Only Jesus will take you to heaven. And that has to be done by faith. By faith. The very same faith the farmer puts in the seed that God is going to make it grow and produce is the same faith that you have to have in Jesus Christ that he is going to make you sprout up spiritually in the childhood of God, and that, that faith is going to result in eternal life. Faith, you have to believe in something that you have not seen, but something that you understand in your heart and in your life is there, is absolute, and it's going to take place. What will we do? Where do we stand individually with this? How is our 
faith today. No farmer, no scientist, no philosopher can, can explain how a dead dormant seed can produce life when it is buried in the soil. Yet within an hour of being sown, the outer husk of that seed is absorbing moisture and warmth, and it begins to swell. And as it swells, it begins to burst open. And from the top of that seed comes a stalk, and from the bottom of that seed comes a root. The root goes down into better soil and gets itself a, a, a grip and starts growing where it can draw nutrients and strength. And the stalk begins to grow up to a sprout that breaks through the ground. It's a puzzling mystery. One of my own testimony. We have in our deep freeze seeds that we have bought over years. And we have sealed them and we've placed them in that deep freeze. Yet we can go in there this spring and we can take them out. We can open a package up, we can lay them out in the sun, let them fall, and then plant them in the ground, and they will sprout. You know, there is a science that's going around today that's called, I think, cryogenics, where they take a dead person and they freeze that dead person with the idea of one day being able to bring them back to life again. But then we have to come back and realize that it isn't me or us who brings those seeds back to life. It is God. God controls and is in control of bringing about life. If cryogenics ever takes place, and I doubt very seriously that it will, it will be only because God creates life. Not man. God. Until we can understand and grasp and accept the fact that God creates life, physical life, we're not going to be able to grasp the reality of how God creates eternal life. Are you getting how the two are intertwined today? We have a lot of people today who are not sharing the gospel because they really don't believe the gospel. They do not believe that Jesus Christ brings about eternal life. They do not believe and because they don't understand the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. And because they don't understand or will not accept the miracle of life that was given to Christ at the resurrection they cannot accept the fact of the miracle of life that is given to an individual when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And because they don't have their scientific understanding of life, and because they can't draw their conclusions based around it, they refuse to accept the ideas of what the Bible teaches as true, and they will not share it with others. You are making an eternal mistake, not only in your life, but in the lives of others, because the spiritual blood of many are going to be on your hands come the judgment seat of Christ when you stand there and you have to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ about why you did not sow the seeds of the gospel. Because you had no faith. Or such little faith. Such little faith. That it would not result in casting that seed into the lives of others. What good does it do? When the word of God is planted in the human heart. The Spirit of God produces conviction. That's the equivalent of that root taking place. You can 
see that in scripture in John 16 verses 7 through 11. The process can be seen several times though in the pages of scripture. Saul of Tarsus listened to Stephen preach and he watched him die and he gave glory to God. Saul was convicted. That's listed in Acts chapter 7 chapter 9 and from that conviction Saul was saved and, and his life converted and he became Paul. And what about the woman of Samaria? She became convicted of her sins when Jesus told her in her own words, this man tells me everything I ever did. She was saved from that conviction. Jesus also spoke to a rich young man about his soul. This man too was convicted. But this man wasn't saved because he didn't place his faith in Jesus. He wasn't convicted and he wasn't saved. He remained lost in his sins. Matthew 19 verses 16 through 22. It's a process, a very mysterious and secret process. John chapter 3, verse 8. We never know when, where, or how the Spirit of God is working in a person's life. It isn't up to us to say, this person needs to hear the gospel. This person doesn't need to hear the gospel. I will go here, but I will not go there. I will share here, but I will not share there. It is not up to us to make those kind of decisions. It is up to us to spread the gospel seed. And when we spread that gospel seed, we step back and we let God do His work. We continue to water it. We continue to weed out from around it. We continue to do what we should be doing on the outside, but we let God deal with the inside. I want to share a story with you about a pastor who served the country church for many years. He, he faithfully preached the word of God service after service after service. He regularly visited and he witnessed in the community his ministry in that church spanned many, many years. But there was little fruit and very few conversions. Eventually, the old preacher died. He went to his death convinced that his ministry in that little country church had been a failure. While the new pastor was called, he preached the same gospel. But an amazing thing happened. People began to get saved. In fact, a revival broke out. And many of the people in that community came to know the Lord. As they testified about their experiences, the people shared things in common. One new convert after another testified and said that it was the faithful ministry of that old preacher that God used to awaken them to their need of a Savior. He planted the seed. He nurtured and watered the seed. He weeded from around the seed. As it sprung up inside of these people. But when it came time for the harvest, the harvest was for another. Just because we take the time to sow the gospel seeds doesn't mean God will use us to make the harvest. Doesn't mean that at all. That's a conclusion of our own. Sometimes we get to see some harvest. Some of us get to see all of our harvest. Most of us, I believe, only see a very small portion. 
because that's been passed on to someone else. But that harvest cannot take place if we do not sow the gospel seed. There is also the need to grow the gospel seed to be a successful work that will happen. Again, all the farmer done was sow some seed in the soil. He then went about his business and a secret work took place. While the farmer went about his day-to-day activities, the seed germinated and the little plants pushed their way through the surface and the sun favored the little tender plants and they grew, they got stronger, the heavens gave rain, the soil provided plants with nutrients, it grew, it matured, and the time came for it to bring forth fruit. When the harvest was ready, the farmer entered the field and gathered the crop. He really did nothing, but he reaped all the benefits. Don't ever think for a minute that your witness for Jesus is meaningless. You can't see, I can't see, none of us can see what God is doing. He's working behind the scenes in the hearts and lives of people beneath the soil of the hearts to bring souls to himself. He isn't bringing souls to your glory or my glory. He's bringing them to himself. Our work is for God. It is for his glory. Never give up. Never stop telling the lost about Jesus. Never allow the world to silence your witness for Jesus. Keep telling, keep talking, keep sharing, keep trusting. His secret work is going on inside the lives of millions of men and women and boys and girls today. You never know what that barren life has sowing inside of it and is growing. As I move into my conclusion, I want to share something with you about the stages of maturity that we see in God's Word. First, notice with me the blade. It is the new life. It is tender, fragile. As Days and nights revolve. It sinks the roots deeper into the soil and steadily becomes stronger. This speaks of the new and growing believer that they're nurtured. They're loved. And we're waiting and watching for them to grow. There are a lot of people sitting at home right now. They feel disconnected. They're still the blade, the the immature young believers because they have allowed something to get between them and the Word of God and it has separated them. You need to set that aside. You need to be back into a church of loving, growing, nurturing, maturing church where the Word of God is preached and taught and it is done so unapologetically, lovingly, and uncompromised so that you can grow and you can move from being that blade into the next level, which is the ear. When the ear of the corn appears, it's a promise of future fruit. Still, there's a lot of growing to do. It speaks of the middle stages of the Christian life. The believer is stronger and shows promise. And there's still a lot to do, though. And that's where the majority of the saints of God are today. Some of them well into their years. They are no more than an ear. Because they decided to stop growing. Because they decided to move no further. Because they said this is as far as I need to go. I've done my part. I don't need to do any more. I don't need to go any further. I need to turn it over to someone else. I'm done. 
Oh, there are a lot of ears sitting out there in churches today, sitting at home today, there who have grown in their spiritual walk, but they have never produced fruit because they quit, because they gave up. Then there are the full ear. Now the ear, and when it's full, it begins to droop. Why? Because it's heavy. It's heavy. There's a lot of potential in there. When you go to the grocery store and you buy an ear of corn, or you go to your garden and you pull an ear of corn, and you pull the shucks back from that ear of corn, you pull the silks out of it. You have those kernels of corn. We know how well they taste boiled on the stove or grilled over a grill. But we realize that if they're allowed to dry and if they're shelled from that shuck, each one of those kernels of corn is a new life ready to spring up. That is the fruit of the full ear. Look at that ear of corn next time you have it out and look at the potential for life that is in that ear of corn. The potential for life of that many more ears of corn. Those are pictures of the gospel that comes off of one ear that can be spread abroad into the world around us and we can see lives changed because the gospel, when it is given, it will produce in the end. Yes, there will be some that will neglect it and reject it, but nonetheless it has been shared. And again, God has not called us to make sure that those people get saved. God has called us to plant the gospel seed. That's what he's called you to do. And me. Can we say today that we're doing it according to God's word? Well, remember the woman at the well and Saul of Tarsus? We've already shown where the seed was sown in their lives and the sovereign work of God produced it. What happened and came out of that was countless souls are still being saved. Some people ask me if I ever get discouraged about the lack of response. And I admit that there's moments that I do and that I have. That I've gotten weak and I have letting the, let the appearance of things around me get me down and out. There are not many people getting saved. There's a lot of general deadness among God's people. But then I understand and I, I realize that it's my duty to sow in the water. God takes care of the rest. And in that I found peace. And I found faith to move forward. There is power in seed. Some time ago, archaeologists dug into a pyramid tomb in Egypt. And in that tomb, they found several jars of seed. These seed had been buried around 3,000 years. Those scientists took the seeds and found them planted. They found them good soil and they planted those 3,000-year-old seeds. They watered them and waited. And do you know what? Those seeds sprouted. They sprouted tiny plants and they pushed their way to the surface. And they matured and they made fruit. Isn't it amazing that when seed finds its way into the right soil, a secret work takes place. Life comes out of death. There is such a power in the gospel that we preach, that we proclaim, and that we share. 
if you've never been saved by the grace of God, I want you to trust Him. I want you to trust Him today. Today is that opportunity. Today is that time. I want you to call upon Him to forgive you of your sin. To come into your life. To take that dead spiritual life and give it Give it new life. Give it an eternal life. And if you have been saved, if you know you've been saved, today is the day to commit to sharing the gospel. Because there are souls out there that are dependent on you. They're dependent on you to sow that seed. They're dependent on you to plant it, to water it. God's dependent on you to stay out of the way and let him do his work. What are we going to do about planting the seed of the gospel? Are we going to do it God's way so that life comes out of death? Or are we going to do it our way and see no results whatsoever? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity to share this word. Thank you for all of the prayers that have gone up. Heavenly Father, I pray that it brings souls to your salvation. I pray that it brings a harvest to your end. Heavenly Father, I pray the saints of God become encouraged to share your word and to share the gospel seed. Now, Heavenly Father, bless us, help us, strengthen us. Take your message and use it to accomplish your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy your week ahead. Lord willing, we'll see you next week. So long for now.